There we go. Well, praise the Lord. I don't know about you, but I feel good I'm in the house of the Lord. Come on. What a blessing to be here today. Give the Lord a hand clap. We get to celebrate Christ in so many different ways in this church. It's just such an honor and such a blessing. Um, I was almost going to say that um, Rachel's um, team, Trevor and Pastor Gene, Pastor Trevor and Pastor Gene, almost took my message from me. I was like, well, I don't need to preach today. They go on already. So, But I think I might have a little to say. <laughs> I just want to talk about the name of Jesus. How many love that name? Yeah. Ain't nothing like the name of Jesus. Somebody say Jesus. Woo, I love that name. I know when I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior at the Army PX, and I went back to a regular church, and it was kind of quiet and everything else, but every time they said the name of Jesus, just something inside my heart was singing. It just felt like something was alive and something was warm and something was burning in my heart when they said the name of Jesus. And you know, we know why, because Jesus, that's a powerful name, isn't it? You know, there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. And you know that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God. It doesn't matter what religion we are. It doesn't matter where we're at with God. It doesn't matter if you're saved, if you love Jesus, if you don't. One day we're all going to bow before the King of Kings and say, Jesus is Lord. So you might as well say it now and enjoy it, right? Jesus is Lord, isn't he? He is the Lord of our lives. He's the Lord of your life. And he isn't the Lord of your life. He wants to be the Lord and the Master of your life. Because he loves us and he cares for us. Oh, don't forget, we have these touch cards. We want to invite people to our uh, Christmas Eve service and our candlelight service. Thank you very much for putting that on the screen. We have hundreds of them out there, so don't feel bad about giving them out, uh, that you're going to um, give too many out, because you can't. We got a lot of them. So um, do it. And, you know, sometimes, um, before I get running over here, but... Let me first talk about this, but sometimes when we, um, we think if we're giving out something, people don't like it, or they're like, oh, they're going to think I'm a Jesus person or a Christian or something, or they're going to look bad at me. And I don't know why, but for some reason, almost every person I'm giving it to is acting like I gave them a Christmas present. What's up with that? I went to my Starbucks the other day, and I said, you know what, I'm going to give him 
a $3 tip, and I'm going to invite them to our church, to the Christmas Eve service, candlelight service. And, uh, and the devil was saying to me, like, oh, he's going to think you're religious or you're trying to push Jesus on him. So I, I said, I don't care, devil. I'm doing it anyway. Because, you know, the devil always trying to lie to you. The devil don't want you to be a good Christian. He doesn't want you to be a witness. He doesn't want you to tell people about Jesus. So I pulled up there, and before he saw the $3, I said, here, I'd like to invite you to our Christmas Eve service. And you know what he told me? He says, hey, thank you. I was looking for a church. Come on now. I went and, uh, you know, right now I have glasses on because I'm getting new glasses and I've got my old ones and I'm just trying the ones. I actually got two pair up here in case I can't read this because we'll be in trouble. But I got two pair and I went to get my eyes examined and, and the lady sitting there was, um, uh, had a book and it said The Calling, The Calling. And uh, I said, that book's amazing. My wife loves that book. And she goes, yeah, I love it too. And I said, well, I'd like to invite you you know, of course, I'll be carrying these, man. I'm like, I'm hitting everybody. People are like, bam, come on, get it. I said, I'd like to invite you to our church. And I didn't think nothing about it. She stuck it up on her little shelf, and she didn't say nothing. She got all done doing my exam and filled everything out, and she said, I'll probably be at your church. I said, what? You mean, you mean people really want to go to church? You mean people really want to know about God? You mean people really are interested in Jesus Christ? Yes. Amen. Yesterday we had a great time with the um, angel tree, my lovely wife, and all the volunteers. She said, make sure you thank all the volunteers because they did amazing, working together with crafts, pictures, cookies, everything. It was just a wonderful time. I, I had to go down to the dollar store and get me some uh, balloons, you know, the, um, the heart, uh, star balloons, green and, and uh, red, and while I was there, the lady was, um, you know, doing my balloons and stuff, and I took, she goes, what are you doing these for? I said, well, we're told them about Angel Tree, how we're helping people that are incarcerated, their families. And she goes, that is so cool. I said, yeah, yeah. I go, by the way, uh, I'd like to invite you to our church. She goes, oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I'm like, man, I thought the, the devil kept on telling me nobody wants these. Man, I'm, I should start selling them. I gave for a dime. I'll give you this. People want to know about Jesus. Because his name's above every name. There's no other name like Jesus. I want you to go to Matthew and just look at this. And I'm going to talk about Jesus, but I'm going to say, describe, I want to describe Jesus' name in a different, not, it's not a different way, it's a very familiar way, but I want to describe Jesus' name to you the way the Bible does. Does that sound fair? How many want to know how the Bible talks about them? Okay, we got one out there. Praise the Lord. Let's take a vote. <laughs> no. Get to my stuff. You know these electronics, they always try to mess with me. I thought it was so funny that one day it talked to me. So I come up here. Come on, serious. Are you serious? Okay, in Matthew 121, it said, He shall bring forth the Son, and thou shalt call his name. Let's hear it better. And thou shalt call his name. Jesus. Come on now, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sin. 
And then the Bible says later on in that chapter, in verse 25, and it said they, uh, and, and knew her not till, he was talking about Joseph, knew her not till he brought forth her firstborn son, and they called his name Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm from the old school. In case you haven't noticed, you know, uh, the young people will notice. Some people like, I have some people in here in the church still call me young man, and thank you very much. I appreciate that. But the young people know I'm from old school. You know, hey, come on. And I used to read, and I, I still do, I read the King James a lot, but I read almost every translation. I try to read the Bible. I do read the Bible once a year, at least once a year, and I read other translations. So I'm very familiar with a bunch of translations. But the thing I do like about the King James, every once in a while they do something that's different. And this is what the King James did. When he said, and his name shall be called Jesus, he capitalized J, he capitalized E, he capitalized S, he capitalized U, and he capitalized S. Because, you know, I feel like when those translators got around and gathered to translate, they're like, we just can't put Jesus down there with one little strong J and then the rest common like a regular person because Jesus is not a regular person. Jesus is Jesus. Hey, that's powerful because back in those days there's many people called Jesus. Even in the New Testament you hear about Bar Jesus. You hear other people named Jesus. Actually, the name Jesus is the same name of the Old Testament as Joshua, which Joshua, his name means Savior, which is perfect for Jesus. What is he? He's our Savior. That's perfect. But you just can't explain by looking up the Greek of the name of Jesus without really understanding truly who he is and what he is to us. And I believe that Isaiah gave us a great commentary on how to explain and how to exegesis, how to explain through the scripture who Jesus is and give us a different look on what his name means. Hallelujah. Jesus. You know, I love Isaiah. You know, some people say that the, 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 the Jewish and the Sanhedrin, they honored Isaiah as high as they honored Moses. Because the reason why, because his writing, he, he's called the Messianic prophet. He's one that God gave him more revelations and understanding about Jesus. He knew Jesus in a different way from other prophets, so they lifted him up very high. Some people call it the fifth book of the gospel, the fifth gospel. Because it's full of Jesus. Talks about his birth. Talks about the virgin birth. Talks about the character of Jesus. Talks about the crucifixion of Jesus. You know Isaiah 53 through 58 when it talks about the, him being, uh, how he felt and what he saw and how, how he was through his crucifixion. Isaiah had a revelation and an understanding of Jesus that no other prophet had. It's a great book to read. It's a little thick, you know, it's a few pages, but hey. Don't find out Jesus. I love Jesus. We want to know more about Jesus. So Isaiah 9-6, very, very familiar scripture. Very familiar. You all there? I hear the papers turning. I heard the phones clicking, but it's, say amen if you're there. All right. Hey, you guys are doing good. I'm not there because I'm thirsty. And I didn't even have to ask my wife to bring the water. Okay, Isaiah 
Because this is a prophetic word, it's talking about the future. This is 740 years before Christ was even born. That's how you know the Bible's true. People can speak and write down things hundreds of years before, not knowing the facts, not knowing much, but by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, speak and write things 740 years later, there's a Jesus that we were talking about, how we displayed with the children, and how we talked with our Advent, and how we have this manger scene. There's a Jesus that Isaiah spoke about. Wow. That's why you could depend on it. You could take the Bible to the bank. You could count on it. You don't have to worry about his words failing. I love where David said, Thy word forever, O Lord, is settled in heaven. You know that a lot of people are debating whether the word of God is true. But you know what David said? It's already settled. No sense in arguing. God's already said it's truth. It's there. And bada bing, it's it. Amen. That's what we're living our life by. Ooh, sweet lady, man, look at this. So this is what Isaiah said. He said, unto us. Who's the two? Unto us. Unto us a son is given, and unto us a child is born. You know, that scripture, when it was written, even though it was written by the inspiration of God, when the Jewish people read that, or the Hebrew children read this scripture, they did not one time think unto us, Gentiles. Guess what? Well, anybody here 100% Jewish in this church? If not, y'all, Gentiles. You know what Gentile is? Somebody who isn't Jewish. That's all. Don't, don't, don't get offended. Get quiet on I me. Mean, he called me a Gentile. Yeah, I did, because that's what we is. We're Gentiles. But back in the day, the Jewish people would usually call people not just Gentile, they would call them uncircumcised Gentiles. And that's, that's it's not degrading, but what they were saying is that because, because of circumcision, what circumcision did, it brought the covenant of God upon their lives. That was a proof that God was with them and that God was going to work it out. Circumcision meant they had the covenant was dedicated to them. Us, as Gentiles, before that, we did not have the advantage of saying, we can say unto us. The Gentile could never read that and say unto us. Till Jesus Christ came and broke the banner or took away the division of the law and split the curtain down the middle through his blood and gave us access to him. Now we can say us. Is that a blessing? Hallelujah. You know, before, like, um, I think about Paul, when um, Paul's talked about um, in, in um, Corinthians, uh, not Corinthians, excuse me, Paul talked about in Ephesians, and you should read the whole chapter too because it really talks about the riches and the grace of God and the riches and the grace of God brought us into a relationship so that we can actually have the inheritance of the people of God that all things that they were promised, we are now promised. But this is the way Paul talks about us in that chapter where we were before this promise happened. He said that there was a time we were without Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers 
from the covenant of the promise. We were strangers, having no hope. You know, without Christ, we have no hope. We don't have a tiny ounce of hope without Christ. That's where God could have left us there. But God says, no, I so love the world that I'm going to send my son and that whosoever believes in him can fall in love with him and give their lives to him, they can find hope and be a part of this covenant. But before that, we had no hope. He said he had no hope without God in this world. That is a sad, sad place to be. Isn't it? Without Jesus? Alienated from the commonwealth of God? Without hope? But God, it says, but now Christ Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, you who once were afar off, had brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, by the blood. We were far off. We were strangers to the covenant. We were Gentiles. We were uncircumcised Gentiles. We had no hope. But God, in his mercy, shed his blood to bring us into his family. Now, Paul said this in, in uh, verse um, 19 and 20 of Second. Uh, Ephesians, it said this, Now therefore, you're no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God. Hallelujah! Man, I'm in his house. You're in his house now. He not only has you in his house, but the Bible says we're already seated in heavenly places. God's got his mind. He knows your destiny. He knows where he wants you. He knows where he's going to bring you. He already has a place for you up seated in heaven. Hallelujah. That's something to get excited about. God's working on our lives right now. I know, I know we're a piece of work. I know we're under construction. I know there's a sanctified process, but God in his mind, because he knows the power of his blood, already has us seated up in heaven. And we're part of the covenant of God. Hallelujah. He said, of the household of faith, having built the foundation on the apostles and prophets, and Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. The main stone is Jesus Christ. I said all this to say this. Now, we could read Isaiah 9, 6, and realize this scripture, when God was inspiring Isaiah, to write it down. He knew that the Jews would accept it open with open arms. But he also knew that once Christ died and rose again, that he would open the door for us Gentiles. Hallelujah. And so, what, so now we read Isaiah. It says, unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. You might think, you know, you know what? We have a president. We have leaders all over the world. They might think that the government's on their shoulders. Or we might even think that God has the government on his shoulders. He's like, oh, this government. Oh, guess what? God ain't a Democrat. God ain't a Republican. Oops, he ain't even American. What? No, he ain't. But he has all the governments upon his shoulders. And that word upon his shoulders doesn't mean he's grueling and he's barely making it. It means the government rests upon his shoulders. 
If we didn't have God controlling, even helping us now, we'd be already a puff of smoke. You know that, right? God, but because of his elect, he will take care of us and be careful for us. Then it said, his name, the government's on his shoulders. Now, check this out. He's going to call his name. His name is so awesome and so good that he can't just say his name shall be Jesus. He's got to put it down in so many categories because his name is so wonderful and so powerful. He just can't say one word. He has to put a bunch of different adjectives there to help us to understand who Christ is, that son, that baby. And the Bible says when he said, it, it says that he, it says the government will be upon his shoulders and he shall be called and that word given to, you know, I looked up the word in the Hebrew. That word given doesn't mean he just gave us. But he took Jesus and he intentionally surrendered him and laid him down for us. Jesus was laid out for us. He didn't just say, well, I give you him here, do what you want. No, he gently, strategically, sovereignly laid him out for us because he loved us so much. Think about it. Jesus said three times in John, no man takes my life, but I lay it down. Trust me, God could have, could have stopped that. He, he said, I have power to stop it. God could have been while he's on the cross, while those people were mocking him. He could have said, bam, you're gone, your cousin, your uncle, and your friend. He could have said, boom, it's over. But because his mercy and his grace, he laid them down. God said, no, he has given us a son. He lays them down intentionally for us. Hallelujah. And he says his name, he didn't say his names. He said his name will be called. He can't describe it. One of the first words is wonderful. Is Christ wonderful? I don't know about you, but I, I used to have a humdrug life. My life was miserable before I met Christ. You know what my model was? Life is tough and it's going to get worse. Because it did. It always got worse. The way of a transgressor is hard. There's nothing easy about it. But when Christ, the wonderful God, came in my life, he changed and drastically gave me a blessed life and gave you a blessed life, you that have turned your life over to him. But that word wonderful just doesn't mean wonderful. What it means, it's the word that you get when he does awesome wonders. When he does miracles. Because a born again life is not just something where, oh, I'm going through the program, I'm doing my fresh start, I'm doing my duties. I'm doing... It's where God comes in and changes and transforms a person's life and it becomes a wonderful work. That's wonderful. If you come to my office someday, come check out my office. I got a picture up there. It's a picture of the Taj Mahal. I took the picture. All right. I was with the camera, man. It was back in the T-Bowl day, and I even did a T-Bowl with it. Tim T-Bowl. Some of you might remember him. He was a good Christian. Wasn't as good as football players everybody thought, but he was a good Christian. But a good brother, and he still is. But I took a picture of that because it was called One of the Seven Wonders of the World. That ain't nothing compared to what Jesus is. People travel throughout the world to go see this one amazing structure that's full of marble and just beautiful, unbelievable, amazing. But his name 
is far greater than any statue or any monument or any cloud or any mountain or anything around it. His name alone is far more wonderful than that. Hallelujah. His name should be called Wonderful Counselor. And that means, you know, his name is called Counselor. A lot of times we need, a lot of us need counsel, don't we? You'd be like, you need some counseling. Yeah, I do. Every once in a while, I do give me some counselor. Get some good counsel. But guess who's the counselor? His name is called counselor, Jesus. You know, sometimes those guys make too much money for doing nothing. They go in the office, and you sit there and tell them all your problems. They don't say one word, and, and they go, okay, your time's up. And they go, thank you so much for helping me. Dude didn't do jack. He just made a bankroll of money. But you felt better because you gave all your reliefs to this counselor. And I'm not against counseling at all. I'm for counseling. I think it's needed and I think that God has ordained it. But his name is called counselor. Why run to the pastor? Why run to the the counselor, the lawyers or the different people that have different specialties? Why not run to Jesus first and see what his counsel can be? Come on. Be surprised what God could do to you in your heart in one second, what a counselor may take for 20 years to try and get done. God could do it in a minute because his name is called counselor. His name is wonderful counselor, the mighty God. He's mighty. There's no weakness to God whatsoever. That word mighty means a champion. Look. His name alone, he's a champion. You have trials in your life. You have problems in your life. Sometimes you might not be able to pray a long prayer or be able to go with a big old thing or do anything, but all you have to do is call on the name of Jesus. And he's a mighty God, and he's able to pull you out of darkness and bring you into the marvelous light and do a wonderful work. Is that right? Amen. He's a mighty God. He's a champion. And then it says he's the everlasting father. I know that in society, this society that we live in today, there's so many people that are fatherless, so many people that have fathers in prison, in different places where people need somebody. God is the father. He's an everlasting father. Jesus said, when you pray, you pray like this. What? Our father. And he'll always be there. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. He'll always be able to help you because he's an everlasting father. And he's the prince of peace. And that was the, the theme today, peace. Peace was the theme, wasn't it, for today in the Advent? You know, that peace is not just peace. Peace, bro. Or it's not just that peace. And, and Pastor Gene said it's not the peace that the world gives it's the one that God, Jesus gives, give I unto you, neither let your heart be troubled, neither be afraid. But that peace is not just to be a calm and a peace. That word peace, when they said, in the, when the Hebrews spoke to each other, they said peace, shalom. They didn't just mean go in peace and no war against you. But that word peace meant more than that. That word peace meant prosperity. That word peace meant wealth, welfare. That word peace meant a state of health. That word peace means completeness. That word peace means safety. Safety. His name. And he's the prince of peace. The prince of peace means he's command over peace. He has authority over peace for our life. Is that good news? Amen. His name alone is the prince of peace, the mighty God. 
the everlasting Father. And then it says, of his increase, the government will not end. And it says, the zeal of the Lord will perform this. When we cry out to Jesus, we need to realize Jesus is so tight, he's so wonderful, he's so awesome, that Jesus can't even just describe, you can't describe his name by one word. you got to use, he's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Come on now. His name is Wonderful. And that's the name that we get to call on. And that's the name we get to share with people. That's why people are hungry for God. Don't nobody else have another name like that? Nobody has that name. And we just cry out to Jesus and ask him to help us to understand that he gave us that name. We're no longer foreigners. You're no longer alienated from the promise and the common wealth of God. But we're all family with him. And God's able to bless us and help us. That's good news. Hallelujah. Let's stand. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for sending your son Jesus, which is a precious name. That name alone is awesome, Father. You said in that day we shall cast out demons. We shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And in that name, people in the New Testament were beaten because they used your name. Because your name is powerful. Your name is awesome. But not only is it powerful and awesome, but God, you are an everlasting Father. You are the Prince over all peace. You're a wonderful God. You're the mighty God. And you are a true good counselor for us. And you have wonderful deeds for our life. I pray, God, in the name of Jesus, God, that you would help us as a church not to be ashamed of this name, that we proclaim this name everywhere we go and bless people as we do it. And we thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Go in peace. God bless you guys.